0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats Podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Brought to you by Albait Resort, a renovation of style in the heart of Sharjah.
1: Assalamu alaikum, ala and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. On today's show, we are talking education and parenting, and we're going to be revealing that one simple thing that if you start doing with your kids when they are young can make them more successful later in life. Plus, why is reading to your kids in the early years so important? A new study says that reading to your kids before the age of five can give them a million word advantage before they get into kindergarten. Alan Cohen, co-chair Harvard Principal Center Advisory Board Emeritus, joins me in just a moment to talk all the details next on Life Beats on Pulse 95.
0: The heart of Shasha. This is Pulse 95. 95. Heart of Life Beats, Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse95.
1: A new study from Ohio State University says that being read to at home in the first five years of life may be a key in predicting reading development and vocabulary later down the line. Published in the Journal of Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics, the study found that young children whose parents read them five books a day pre-primary school entered kindergarten having heard about 1.4 million more words than kids who were never read to and you know if five books seems like a bit much. The research reveals that even kids who are read to uh, only one book a day will hear about 290,000 more words by the time they're five as opposed to children who aren't normally read to. Now to talk us through all of this and more, I'm so glad to welcome back to the studio, co-chair Harvard Principal Center, Advisory Board Emeritus, a member of the Scholars International Group, Alan Cohen. Good morning,
2: Sally, <laughs> and thank you for inviting me back.
1: So good to have you.
2: Sally, I loved it this morning riding in. There were big signs, open books, open mind. Congratulations, you're the World Book Capital from UNESCO. How exciting.
1: It is incredibly exciting. I tell you what, this just happened. You're just in time. This is crazy. You know, you come in and out of the UAE, but uh, literally this all just uh, unfolded over the last week. And it's a huge honor for Sharjah, for the UAE to be named the World Book Capital. But for, you know, very good reason, we've just had... The Sharjah Children's Reading Festival, as well. It was a mammoth this year, incredible stuff. Unbelievable authors have come through, you know, celebrating the power of books and the power of reading as well. Um, And, you know, we just touched on this research that has just come out. But, Alan, you know, this is not new. Research into the whole idea of reading in, in the early years is decades old, isn't it?
2: Absolutely, Sally. Sally, originally, this comes from a research study from 1995. Um, uh, and the research basically said, and it was really focusing on families with lower socioeconomic status. And they were talking about a 30 million word gap. And That
1: seems b- extraordinary. 30 it, million.
2: Absolutely. But if you realize parents usually speak to children that repetitive and in commands, and especially in lower socioeconomic families. That's something that happened. So basically, the, the results said that bottom line, children of parents who read to them frequently have larger vocabularies. Mm. That's really the bottom line. What's really exciting, Sally, in 2004, there was another research done, and the research basically says that it doesn't Reading to children is the most powerful force. So what is basically saying it doesn't make a difference what socioeconomic status you come from, what demographic you come from. Reading is important and reading is critical to children.
1: Well, this is, um, you know, what this study as well is talking about as well from Ohio State. and. Um uh, researchers were looking at the 100 most circulated books for both preschool-targeted uh, picture books and toddler-targeted board books as well. And uh, uh, the lead authors analysed a bunch of these and found that the picture books contained around 228 words each. Board books contained 140 each. So imagine, you know, you they, they go quite quickly. You know, you finish one quite quickly reading to your kids. Um, and so, you know, it's easy to read. It's almost easy to read like five a day, You know, uh, it doesn't almost take that much time. But, you know, what are the kind of benefits that, that we do see down the line? And, and, and before we do go through those, it's important to note that we think of reading to kids as something we do when they're little. But, Alan, you do this in your classes at Harvard?
2: I do. <laughs> and I also do it as uh, when I was a principal of a school.
1: Right. OK. Or,
2: and I did it to adults. So let's just say reading is important. And reading
1: out loud. Out
2: loud. So what I do, let me give you an example. When I want to get a message across, um, I want to set the stage. And I consider myself, I, I need to model what good teaching looks like. And I need to model what a good read aloud looks like. So at the beginning of the year, I start every year with a message, but a rocking chair, a rug, and I read aloud. That is so cool. So one of the books I want to share—it's called Nacho's Hat—and um, Nacho's Hat was a really interesting book. It was about change, and there was a lot of change going on in my school. And I wanted—I wanted, I wanted to—and and the story basically is about a man that is having problems with change.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. And
2: <laughs> what he—and it was—but it was a child's book. So it was about Nacho's hats. See, and this
1: is the thing about children's books. They seem very simple on the surface, but actually there's so much deep symbolic meaning in these stories.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this was a this was a very simple way to get a very sophisticated message out to my Faculty.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. I love, And this is how you start your year. This is what you do even to adults as well.
2: So at Harvard, the, the, the program that I work in is called Leadership Evolving Vision. And it's for senior leaders that have led schools or school districts for a very long time, eight years plus. And they come with their blueprint print of their vision and their mission. But they're smart enough to know it has changed but they haven't yeah yeah all right um so half the battle is won that they understand that they need to evolve to take it to a different level so that's the easy part but to to bring this to life and to bring it very simple, I always use a read-aloud to do that.
1: What's the reaction usually? P- are um, people not expecting it?
2: Not expecting it. I mean, you know, you especially you're coming to Harvard and you're going to do this deep inner work. And that's really what it comes down to, this deep inner work. Uh, and the first time I meet, I, I open up a children's book and start reading it to them.
1: It's really the last thing you expect. I didn't expect you to say to me, I still do read-alouds, <laughs> you know, in Harvard. Uh, but, you know, it's incredible when we think about it. For example, if you just take, you know, um, a book like uh, The Napping House by Audrey Woods, you hear words like slumbering, snoozing, dozing, wakeful. You know, when children hear language like that, It's poetic, it's beautiful, it's different, it's descriptive, it's interesting. It carries you into a whole new world.
2: And it enhances your vocabulary.
1: 100%.
2: How exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, we're going to come back in just a moment uh, because this is such a big topic and and a wonderful topic and one that is very dear to my heart as well. Uh, But we would love to hear from everybody out there um, and to hear what your favourite books are that you read to your kids uh, but also that you loved reading yourself growing up. I'm going to ask you that same question, Alan. So you better be ready, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I love reading, love reading books uh, and – This is Life Beats, and we are talking the importance of reading in the early years. So much more to come right here on Pulse ninety-five.
0: This is Pulse ninety-five. All day, every day. This is Pulse ninety-five. Life Beats. With Sally Musa only on Pulse 95.
1: We are back with education expert Alan Cohen, and we are talking reading to kids at a very young age. Alan, how young is too young? One listener is asking, uh, David is asking, how young is too young to be reading to kids?
2: Great question. Never too young, Sally. Um, even when you think your toddler is is turning the pages as you're trying to read, or switching books. There are so many benefits about reading to children at a very early age. Um, What that does, it increases their concentration. So the more you read, the more time that they're able to concentrate. So even if your child is swapping books or turning pages or looks like they're not interested, the idea of reading consistently is really important and it's never too young.
1: Because they're engaged on so many different levels, aren't they? I mean it's so funny because you know I um before I had kids I always thought I'm gonna read to my kids because I knew it was important and then I started doing it literally from the day you know they were born and even I who was really adamant about it you know my my in-laws kind of looked at me like I was crazy a little bit maybe um but uh you know even I was kind of like looking at this newborn and thinking does she even get anything that I'm saying? You know, am I crazy to do this? But now I see what an impact it's had on them. You know, she loves books, you know, almost more than life itself. It's like, you know, she's such a huge reader now and you don't really see the benefits until much later on.
2: Absolutely, and the benefits continue and continue. You know, know, Sally, doing things at a very young age really important. The idea of where a family has two languages, the idea of speaking to a child, two and three months in those two languages really hardwires the brain for children to understand and to speak several languages and that's something that you want isn't that fascinating
1: it's amazing I mean you know uh, and that's an interesting aspect as well because many couples now are bilingual in our family we have English and Arabic uh, for example so you know what would kind of be the best approach to that you know would one parent be reading in one language and the other parent be reading in a different language or you know what's of the best way to encourage that
2: that's ideal for a bilingual family that's ideal to get ch- get children understanding both languages mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yeah
1: so have each parent kind of taking on
2: uh, that their particular language if, if
1: there's more languages then good luck
2: you got it <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you know i know we talk about um uh, the kind of the impact on them being more successful later on in life, more successful in school. You know, obviously, it increases their vocabulary by the time they do get into kindergarten. It, it's, I think it's important to kind of say it's not really about you know, oh, you know, my my child can read a chapter book by the time he's five or whatever it is. It's, you know, that they there does get to be that very silly kind of competitive thing between parents or whatever about oh my my child can write full sentences or whatever by the age of whatever. It's not really about that, is it, Alan? No,
2: no, Sally. Sally, what you're doing is you're setting your child up for success. And that really is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of research, and research tells us that most children will learn to read by their nine years by then when they're nine years old. um and it doesn't make a difference when you start. But the idea of giving your child, you're bringing your child to the front of the line. Is yeah. that a good way to explain it? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: but it's also what's interesting about this uh, discussion as well, it's not just about um, academic achievement. Reading to kids give them, gives them so much more. I mean, Im- the emotional intelligence that comes from and the empathy that oh, comes from absolutely. reading books. Talk to us a bit more about that, Alan. All right.
2: So um, there's a study of two-year-olds. And if they see a, a two-year-old is empathetic, that's a sign that that will be a successful adult. When you read to a child and you give your child loads of opportunities to read several types of books and to take on those feelings and emotions of the characters, you are teaching empathy.
1: Exactly. Two-year-olds?
2: Two-year-olds. That's
1: incredible. You know, it's extraordinary to think that, you know, by that time, they've already absorbed so much of, you know, understanding of empathy and of relationships.
2: Um, A lot of that, Sally, is through reading
1: and true you know it's it's not just that i guess but the the interaction with parents because reading you know it ultimately is all about that interaction with the parents between the parents and the child um, you know because when you're reading together the child suddenly has questions they start to ask questions about well why why does he feel this way or why did he do that well that's unfair or you know i wouldn't do that or So it starts whole new ideas and conversations.
2: Absolutely, Sally. And if a child doesn't ask those questions, that's a suggestion and that's a strategy that parents should do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you read to understand. So after you finish a book, you want to talk about that book with your child. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you see that? Is that is it when you go into schools, um, uh, Alan, uh, when you've been you know, a principal of a school or, or uh, in, in your teaching career, is this something that you often feel like you need to advise parents to do? Are we forgetting to read to our kids?
2: Well, you know, we are all overscheduled and we're all very busy. And I think that's, that should be a priority in the household is reading. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a big believer of homework, but I do believe that a child should read every night.
1: You're not a big believer in homework, but definitely a child should read every night.
2: Absolutely.
1: R- we need to repeat that one more time. Yeah. Uh, you know, why Why are bedtime stories, and, and sometimes we think, okay, you know, we read to our child until the point where they can read on their own, and then we kind of just let it go because it's like they can read on their own. But should we just keep reading even past that point? Sally,
2: also on the money. First of all, the way you teach reading is to, with, and by. So you read to the child, you read with the child, and you let the child read by their own. But that question of once a child is reading, should you continue reading with them? Can I share a personal experience? Go on, go on. So my personal experience is um, my parents reading Tom Sawyer to me when I could read. And we did something called shared reading. So I would read a page. They would read a page. Really? And this is really one of, my, one of the most fascinating um, memories that I have of my childhood. Getting into my pajamas, getting into bed, um, sometimes having both parents are In the room with me and reading. And what that does, Sally, it facilitates and enrich, enriches language exposure. It fosters the development of listening skills, spelling, and reading comprehension. So it's a plus, plus, plus.
1: It's interesting. What, this shared reading idea... Um, I kind of I've done that a couple of times with my daughter because she she's asked me she, you know she's 8, 9 now um, she asked me to read to her but then she'll jump in and start reading as well and we will share but you know why is that beneficial the whole shared reading idea
2: well one, the benefits of improved spelling uh, enriches your vocabulary. That's real, really is, that's really simple. But what it also does, Sally, it builds confidence, and it builds competence. And that's something that you want your child to have.
1: I love it. Amazing conversation uh, that we're having right here with Alan Cohen. And we are going to be continuing it next and sharing some of our favorite books that we love to read. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the one that I uh, have read many, many, many times uh, to my <laughs> girls and is still a favourite of mine. Um, you know, that some of the best books, Alan, are the ones that the parents love to read out loud to their children as well. We're going to go through some of those next year. Yours as well, 4215 is the number to text in, or you can get us on uh, Instagram as well at Pulse95 Radio. More to come.
0: This is Pulse95. Life Beats Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95.
1: I tell you what, we are just having too much fun here in the studio with Alan Cohen, co chair of Harvard Principal Center Advisory Board Emeritus. That'll sound so formal, Alan, but yeah. we don't care. We're throwing all of that out the window today. And in fact, um, I feel like doing a little bit of a read aloud because. Gosh, I'm just kind of like thinking back to the books that I love to read to my kids. And um, Roll Dahl Absolutely. is amongst yeah. my absolute all-time 100% favorites, right? Um, but in particular, uh, do you know The Enormous Crocodile? Mm-hmm. Yes, the Enormous Crocodile is one of my favorites. Susan's looking at me going, oh, <laughs> is that one of yours too? She loves that. Um, but it's all about this crocodile who... Um, has an ambition for eating a few kids (laughs) and he will not stop and so he's in the jungle uh he wants to go out and uh, accomplish this goal of his and uh, along the way he meets a a whole bunch of animals who uh, maybe you know stop him from from doing just that so i'm going to read a little bit uh from this so a bit farther on the enormous crocodile met the roly-poly bird The roly-poly bird was building a nest in an orange tree. "'Hello there, enormous crocodile,' sang the roly-poly bird. "'We don't often see you up here in the jungle.' "'Ah,' said the crocodile. "'I have secret plans and clever tricks.' "'I hope it's not something nasty,' sang the roly-poly bird. "'Nasty?' cried the crocodile. "'Of course it's not nasty. "'It's delicious!' It's luscious, it's super, it's muscious, it's duper. It's better than rotten old fish. You mash it and munch it, you chew it and crunch it. It's lovely to hear it go squish. It must be berries, sang the roly-poly bird. Berries are my favorite in the world. It is raspberries perhaps, or could it be strawberries? The enormous crocodile laughed so much his teeth rattled together like pennies in a piggy bank. Crocodiles don't eat berries, he said. We eat little boys and girls, and sometimes we eat roly-poly birds as well. Very quickly, the crocodile reached up and snapped his jaws at the roly-poly bird. he just missed the bird, but he managed to catch hold of the long, beautiful feathers in its tail. The roly-poly bird gave a shriek of terror and shot straight up into the air, leaving its tail feathers behind in the enormous crocodile's mouth. (laughs) That's just a little bit. I love this book so much, and I love Roald Dahl, and he makes it so fun for parents to to read to their kids.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Sally, you know... A question that I get asked often is, should there be a routine? Mm. Um, and the simple answer is, yes, you should read every <laughs> single night. But there should be some strategies that you do every single night when you read to your child.
1: Because we've had people asking, you know, how many books should you be reading? Like, how? what's the length of time? Should you be spending 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, how long?
2: Sally, this is a time I think that is perfect to relax with your child after a day's work or after a long day to cuddle with them to bond with them and to read with them i don't think we need i think we need to talk about quality time not quantity time
1: yes yes so make sure that you're spending that time it doesn't matter you know how long it is but do be there and be present
2: Right. And Sally, I I don't even know if you realized what you were doing. If you were reading to a child, you were modeling fluency, which was really sophisticated with your pitch and your tone, your intonations. I mean, that's something sophisticated to teach a. A young child and you were doing it by doing that read aloud how <laughs> fabulous
1: <laughs> I was having fun doing it yeah. but you're not standing there like with a chart and going so intonation looks like this," yes. and you know mm-hmm. like it's it's teaching without teaching
2: absolutely I call it jo- joyful learning
1: yes Yes, I love that. Joyful learning. Mm -hmm. That's going to be like at the top of my Mm -hmm. thing now. Um, But exactly. So, you know, creating that routine. Take us through like what parents can do with their kids every day.
2: Absolutely. So when you read to a child, I think you should point to the words. All right. And what you're doing is you're teaching a child how to track and to move from line to line. That's an important skill. Another skill is making predictions. Look through the story. Look at the illustrations. Usually, in in books for young children, the story is told through pictures.
1: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, to kind of ask questions. Oh, so what do you think is going to happen next? Who do you think is going to get you know the pie or whatever it is that's in the story?
2: Absolutely. It's, and Sa- and Sally, that's called a, a picture talk.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a, you know because it it gets the kids involved as well in the story even more. Yeah. Yeah. You want to
2: ask children questions. Every time you read a book, because reading is comprehension, Mm. and comprehension is a reason to understand what we learned. Also, what you would like to do, all right, is connect reading to writing if possible, because once children see their words in print, it gives them power and gives them voice.
1: Encourage kids to write themselves. Well,
2: actually, when children are really young, they can't, but you transcribe their writing. All right.
1: Wow, that's an idea. And when
2: they see their words, all right, that gives them power.
1: That does give you, I mean, you know, when you write something, it just kind of you know, completely um, you know brings to life whatever thoughts that you had um, inside it, and that's a whole different feeling. That is incredible. Yeah. And so does that then give them the confidence to be able to express more and to think? And, you know, in this whole process, there's the whole idea of making mistakes as well with spelling and, and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, does that, you know, encouraging kids to write from the beginning, um, does that kind of encourage them to be more confident and and to to be able to make mistakes because they're discovering?
2: Absolutely, Sally. You know, for me... um Failing or making mistakes is an opportunity to learn. Mm. And that's something that as parents, sometimes we don't want our children to have that experience. But in reality, that's the best thing that you could do for your child yeah. is give them that opportunity to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, not to focus too much on the the spelling or whatever it is, but just the expression of ideas and, you know, just going out there and, and being able to say what they want to say and to create in their minds and have that imagination.
2: Absolutely. I love creative spelling. To look at a first grader or a second grader and see creative spelling, that brings (laughs) joy to my heart.
1: Creative spelling. I love it because, you know, as we know, uh, English language um, rules aren't really, you know, um, that easy to follow sometimes. And you just kind of, you can be, end up being very, very creative yourself. Um, but I want to ask you uh, in just a moment, Alan, we're going to come back in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you about some of your favorite books uh, that you love. We're going to talk about some of the classics as well. Talked a little bit of Roald Dahl just then. Uh, but we're going to get more uh, from you and some more questions as well that have uh, come through for you. More to come on Life Beats on Pulse95. Pulse95 You're listening to Pulse95 Pulse95
0: It's Pulse95 Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95.
1: We're back uh, with Alan Cohen having a, a, an enormous amount of fun here in the studio, talking reading for young kids. And uh, um, something that uh, I alluded to at the beginning of the show, Alan, is um, a, a study that kind of uh, came out of Harvard and MIT. Uh, and it was all about that one thing that you can do um, at the age of four with your kids to make sure that they're wealthier and more successful in life. And I know we're talking a lot about reading. There's a lot of emphasis about reading, but that particular study talked about talking back and forth with your kids at the age of four can make a huge difference to Um, to who they become and you know this whole idea of talking back people are thinking how do you talk back and forth with a four year old they just argue with you all the time don't listen but actually reading can really facilitate that whole idea can't it?
2: Absolutely so I talk about I talk about reading and I also talk about parent talk so it really is one in the same what reading does is exposes children to different type of experiences but the idea of interaction um, with with children are really important too.
1: We've got a great question from Angela. She asks, is uh, reading to your kids with an iPad or a Kindle the same as reading from a paperback?
2: Angela, I don't care how you read to your children, just read, read, read to them.
1: So is there there research around that? Well,
2: personally, personally, I love the idea of holding a book, the the tactile experience of holding that book, turning the pages, folding the pages, highlighting, making notes. I mean, for me, I'm very old school and I I appreciate that.
1: I'm with you a thousand percent. I just love holding a book in my hand, seeing the cover art you know, experiencing those first few pages of, you know, there's uh, the, the introduction, the contents page of it, and, and you kind of, you go through it, and you highlight, like you said, and, and you underline, and, you know, you go, go back and flip through. I don't know, there is something about that physical experience that I just can't, I can't even, the idea of a Kindle doesn't work with me.
2: For me, it's very personal. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree yeah. with you, <laughs> but I sit on planes very often, and I see people with their Kindles
1: Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be, yeah. you know, you don't want to carry like five books, you know, which I w- do, which is so <laughs> heavy or whatever it is. So to, to have them on your Kindle is is fabulous, you know, because mm-hmm. they're there at the, you know, press of a button. Um, so you know, for kids, it's the same thing. However, you can read you. Just have to read. And, you know, let's just run quickly through the benefits and then I'm going to ask you about, you know, those classics that uh, we come back to time and time again.
2: Well, you know, I always like to do a a top 10 list. Yes. All right. (laughs) So, top 10 benefits for reading to your child. Mm. One is you're setting your child up for success. Mm. All right. We spoke about the million word gap, we spoke about the 30 million word gap. You're setting your child up for success. The more you read, the more knowledge they absorb. The next thing is reading develops language skills. Um, When you talk to your child every day, you're using repetitive language. And when you read to them, you're exposing them to vocabulary and different topics. And that's very exciting. Mm. Exposure to reading exercises your child's brain, Sally, and research shows that when you read to a child, uh, the brain is affected um, when, when being exposed to getting a read-aloud. So that's also very exciting. Also, reading enhances a child's concentration. While you may think reading is useless to a toddler, like we spoke about, it enhances their concentration, and that's really important. Mm-hmm. Reading also uh, encourages a passion for learning. And at the end of the day, that's what we want.
1: That's exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. That lifelong passion for learning. How do we how do we inculcate that? That's exactly how we do it.
2: Right. And you want to give your child a range of books um, to teach them about different topics. And you want your child to be have informative type of books different animals, different places, different objects. Um, Also, you want to teach them about empathy and sympathy and sharing and diversity. And that's what books can do. Number seven, also reading develops a child's imagination and creativity. And after you read a story, you can have a child draw draw the story for you. And that's really exciting. Um, once again, for me, one of the most important things, and I'd like to repeat that over and over again, um, reading books helps child helps a child develop empathy, mm-hmm. and we spoke about that. And last but not least, the idea of of reading as a form of entertainment. I mean, too much time on on the internet too much time on television reading is a wonderful form of entertainment
1: it really is especially if um, we were talking about how you can just get a box you know in your house doesn't matter what it is a chest a cardboard box whatever fill it up with stuff that you can just dress up in and, you know, get excited about and, you know, you put a put on a costume, which could be, you know, just a towel or like an old skirt or something or whatever it is. Some old makeup in there as well. You know, dress up, make it fun. Have fun with your kids. It is just amazing. <laughs> it's Abs- the greatest.
2: S- Sally, what you're doing is you're improving their success for school, mm-hmm. but you're also creating that lifelong bond and that's something that all parents need to do.
1: Lifelong memories, mm-hmm. I love it. Let's just run very quickly, in one minute, some of your uh, favorites, favorite classics.
2: From Well, actually for me, my one and only favorite is Tom Sawyer, and you know why. That's my childhood memory, that's great experiences with my mom and dad, and that, that for me is number one. What I like for children in, in elementary school, my favorite and it still brings tears to my eyes every time I re- reread it is Wonder.
1: Yes. Or, so brilliant.
2: So brilliant, right? Yes. And then we talk about classics. Um, and for me, it's The Hungry Caterpillar, Green Eggs and Ham. Um, Where wild things are, are. Nacho's hat,
1: the Giving Tree,
2: Charlotte's Egg, yes, and we can keep going and going.
1: Unbelievable! There are so many. I have a current favorite uh, at at the moment, which is Mrs. Rainbow by Neil Griffiths. I love, love, love that book. Um, Especially being, you know, so visual myself, that's a brilliant book. Um, So simple, and again, you know a beautiful message behind that book and it's joyful and it has a joyful ending as well. Um but we've run out of time. It's just crazy. We always run out of time with you because it's always so much fun. But Alan Cohen, what a joy. Always.
2: Sally, thank you so much for inviting me here. Always a joy on my end too.
1: <laughs> thank you. Coming up next We continue the talk all about kids because we're going to be talking about creating those Ramadan memories and rituals and traditions that are going to get your kids excited about the holy month. Anissa Sharif is going to be joining me next right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95.
0: This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.